Hello, and welcome to my podcast, From Trauma to Triumph. I am Leah Bandola and your host. My mission is to help people heal their past so that they can unleash their brilliant future. I am a trauma release specialist, empowerment coach, and cognitive behavior therapist. I am also a published author with three book publications and a professional speaker. This podcast delves into the world of trauma, and it is a big world. There are so many aspects to trauma and how it affects us in our lives, and each episode will give you more information, examples, stories, and strategies to help you understand trauma better and how to release the hold that it has on us. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, Jen Laferrette. I am so happy to have you as my very first podcast guest, um, but I think you're the perfect person to, to be my first. Um, and so I'm excited to have a conversation with you um, about not just trauma, but navigating through the various traumas that we have in our lives and just challenges. And you have done such a beautiful job. Uh, and now you're helping other people, which is amazing. And we will get to that as well. But welcome. Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be your very first podcast guest. Well, I, it's absolutely my pleasure to have you. So let's talk about, because everybody has, uh, this is what I've really identified in the work that I do. Everybody has trauma of some kind. And often we have traumas from our past and our childhood that just, you know, kind of carries on because we're not aware of it. And then we have, if you've lived, certainly if you've lived as long as I've lived, <laughs> I'm coming up to my 65th birthday, um, you can have a whole series of traumas. But some of them can really, really shake your world. So for you, Jen, what, what has been the thing that you think has maybe really shaken you up the most? Definitely the divorce, but there are certain traumas that I guess I had when I look back that stacked and kind of led to entering the relationship, which wasn't right for either one of us, but we've persevered into that anyways. Right. Um, yeah, no, I definitely the divorce um, in 2016 was a huge pivotal moment. But when I really look back at our relationship, it started in, I, well, just to give you a perspective, I started adulthood, Leo, with the identity of a sick person. So I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer at 19 oh. and I had, um, the radioactive drink was cleared of that when I was 20. And then I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was 23. So a chronic illness that's inflammatory bowel, um, and at that point, that was when I was dating my husband. I was in the midst of dating him at the very beginning and really ill with colitis and in the diagnosis point. So it was a really low point mm -hmm. of my life because I thought I'm only 23 and now I have to deal with this. And there was at one point 14 pills a day trying to manage that and it never seemed to be managed properly. And so we started our relationship in illness, wow. in that lower vibration of I'm not well, I don't feel good. And I feel like I attracted 
a partner at that point who was also in that lower vibration self-worth wise. And so we basically manifested each other, this relationship that just perpetuated that feeling of low self-worth of not enough of never being the right fit and not feeling good. We never felt good together because individually we didn't feel good. And so, yeah, that is such an amazing point because I think it happens a lot for a variety of reasons, maybe not necessarily with physical illness, but people come into it with their own illnesses, let's say, whether it's mentally or emotionally. And what I really wanted to ask is, do you think you came into it unconsciously, of course, but trying to heal each other, just seeing this is the person that's going to heal me? I think, I think, yeah, a little bit of that. I mean, we had known each other since we were 10, but we didn't start dating until 23. And, you know, for him, I was, I guess, like a fantasy come true because I was his grade five and six crush. And for me, I thought he was a very fun person. So I, I wasn't, I thought, yeah, I'm going to have fun now. I'm done with this. I'm just going to have fun. He's fun and we'll have fun together and it'll be great. So yeah, I think on some level, we thought that we would balance each other out, you know, that he Mm -hmm. thought I would be a good mother, I thought he would be a good provider, we were both right, but you can't build a relationship off of that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So when did you know, like how far into the relationship did you know this is not really working, and it's not gonna work? So funny that you say that, Leah. So 25-year-old me broke up with him on Valentine's Day when we were dating and then immediately took him back like two days later because I think I thought I have to make this work, mm-hmm. right? This, that I have to make this work. And then, you know, so knowing that they had the, ro- we had the Rocky Foundation, we didn't do any of the deeper work, which you do with your clients mm-hmm. to fix real problems, or even identify. It's not about fixing. I think Mm -hmm. that's something, you know, for anyone listening that I learned, it's not about always fixing because in our relationship, we had to abandon so many parts of ourself, our true self, that like, if you're in a relationship where you can't be who you really are, and you have to wear that facade of a mask, you know, and, and perform basically to be accepted and loved, et cetera. Like, you know, that's where a professional like yourself comes in and says, there's probably a better alternative here, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so we were engaged, um, in August, six months later, Uh, we're engaged. uh, We got married two years later and in 20, in 2008, after one year of marriage, that was the first time I thought about getting divorced. But then my, in my head, I thought, well, surely it will get better. It's only, we've only been married for a year. Mm. Yeah. And we hear all those sort of adages out there of, you know, the first year, cause you're getting used to each other. You're living together maybe for the first time. And, you know, you just have to kind of get past all the the stuff. And that just really teaches us. I mean, you know, it's one thing if the stuff is, you know, the old, like leaving the cap off the toothpaste or, but if the stuff, which it often is, is much deeper than that, 
you still sort of what the voice in your head, but it's from external is, you know, yeah, just you haven't even given it a chance. So what that he's like that or, you know, yeah, you're going to feel that way because it's, you know, new. And, and so we talk ourselves out of possibly really looking at what the issues are. Well, that's just it. And so, and, and so we continued and then, you know, we had our daughter in 2010 and then in, he went away for work for an entire month and didn't contact us at all. There was no communication and she was about six months old then. And so that was the second time I thought about getting divorced, but then I thought, what am I going to do? I have this little baby, you know? And so I would say that was the biggest like that fracture, the whole thing, like there really was no going back from that because I just felt completely alone. And I remember, um, you know, with the colitis navigating that at 15 months old, I had a really bad flare up and I was given, um, prednisone as a drug, you know, not dispelling medical advice, just sharing my experience. Mm -hmm. And it was starting to, I was having some psychological, uh, side effects from that. And I was starting to have like panic attacks where my heart was racing. And at one point I said to my husband at the time, I don't feel comfortable being left alone with our daughter who was 15 months old, because I don't know how I'm going to make it through the day with her. Mm. And he said to me, what are you talking about? You do it by yourself all the time. So I had never in that moment felt so emotionally let down and not emotionally supported. So at that point I reached out to my family doctor because I really didn't know like what, why I was having these thoughts, what was going on. Um, so I was able to get help through her and, you know, and then in 2012, I thought about it again, but I wanted to have another baby, Leah. I wanted my kids to have the same dad. And I know saying that I, other women listening are saying I did that too. So I did want that. And, and, and I thought maybe, you know, and then at that point, um, yeah, I did get pregnant with Christopher and then an emotional, affair began when I was three months pregnant with Christopher that I was unaware of until Mm. Christopher was, um, well, I found out in 2015 and then I continued to stay in the relationship, which again, sharing that, I know other women are listening and saying, I'm doing that too, or I did that too, because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what my next step was at that point, you know, um, another big flare up constantly. And I made the decision to leave teaching a decade long career because I could not handle the stress anymore. My body had had enough. And so I made that change and my health improved. Actually, the colitis completely cleared, um, (laughs) leaving teaching and which was amazing. And then, um, it was a diagnosis of HPV in August, 2016. So almost one year of knowing. And then I still three days, it took me to say that, you know, I want to be the mother of our children still, but I don't want to be your wife anymore. And I remember my voice shaking as I said that, because as much as I thought about that over four years, I never wanted to see my children less than all the time. And I didn't know what was coming. Like I couldn't, I, 
I knew that by saying that it would be real and it would be final. And even mm -hmm. after I said it, Leah, it took me two months to go to the divorce attorney because I was so afraid of the finality of what this would look like, you know, yeah. for the family. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And for sure, I know there are many, 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 many women who are right in the middle of this right now. And, and the doubting of yourself, of course, and am I doing the best thing for the kids? I mean, when there, when there are kids involved, you know, divorce is a difficult thing to go through anytime. And of course, with children, it just magnifies it by 100 because you now have these other little souls that you're, you know, trying to understand what is the best thing for them and and a lot of people will stay in very 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 toxic and even abusive like very abusive situations because they think they're doing it for the kids it's like well I want to keep my family together and and you know thinking about not being able to see your kids all the time that's really big like really really big well, so the, the whole navigation that you went through um, is very common, but what got you to kind of the other side? And I know it's an ongoing process, right? Like it's, you know, with anything really, it's, it's ongoing. We're always learning and doing a little better and feeling better. And but for you, uh, what turned it around for you? Um, I think really for me, that decision to leave was really rooting my well-being as a priority, as really claim, I claimed my well-being as a priority, and I let that really guide me and my decisions and how I was showing up. And what's interesting is, you know, we didn't have a vision for our marriage at all. And we did, though, have a vision for our divorce. And basically that vision was that we weren't going to let it define us or the children at all. And our the first step for me was really creating healthy boundaries. Um, and like how my husband, ex-husband spoke to me during the marriage and how he speaks to me today is a complete 180. And it's a reflection of having those boundaries. So in the first year, I said to him, like, you know, I can't be the person you tell about your day anymore. I can't be that person for you. You know, I read somewhere online, a blog, we're in the business of raising children together. And I hung on to that line right. and I, and I used that line that I read from someone else. I didn't write it myself, but I said that to him, we're in the business of raising children together. And I just want to talk about the kids. So our co communication was very minimal, but it was respectful. We weren't talking about each other. Um, it was really about, a, for the first time ever, I had to, I was someone in the past who used to stuff my feelings down. I wouldn't talk about it. I certainly would not be on this podcast sharing this. You know, I would just stuff it down, not feel it. So in that year, I, I spent 18 months by myself really feeling all my feelings, you know, and, and the full anger and rage and grief and sadness and the joy too that was there because there were moments of joy throughout that first 18 months and really allowing my kids to feel their feelings too and not judge what was happening our son at the time was um 
he was just turning three. So I was really feeling at that point, a mother sees her children every day. That was my definition of a mother back then. And so mm -hmm. redefining motherhood and realizing that physical presence is not um, a barometer of love, right? The emotional yeah. barometer of love is that, you know, energetic connection that we're always connected to our kids. And it's, you know, that quality time and really being present. So my first step on the other side was rooting my well-being, three-step process, rooting my well-being, feeling all the feelings and letting the well-being guide the decisions and envisioning, you know, when my kids are adults and they're and they're healthy, you know, how would I have guided that? you know, and it wouldn't be talking badly about myself or my ex-husband or, you know, judging his decisions or any of that. Like I really had to focus on myself and the best advice that a therapist had given me was you cannot control what goes on in someone else's home. That's right. So, yes. So really focusing in on as long, like focus on yourself and what you can control in your own home and then, you know, as far as what's going on in their home, different rules, different houses, you know, and then as, and, and he, the thing is understanding, like, let them be the parent that they are, you know? Yeah. And, and how do you, you know, more for the listeners out there, because they may not all have a co-parenting partner that is uh, as on board <laughs> as you do. Um, and the fear that I hear a lot from clients is that um, I'm really afraid he's going to not take care of them properly, like that there could be a safety issue. I had one client who was terrified sending her three kids um, because they had uh, the man was staying with his mother at the time and they had a pool in the backyard. And she's like, I know he's not going to watch them. And they're, you know, what happens? Like, what if they drown? And like, that's the fear that can really run away with you, right? So yeah. how would you talk to someone that is maybe having those kinds of fears? Oh, my goodness. That is, oh, Leah, that just hurts my heart. Because yeah, that would be devastating. But I think, you know, that's where you really have to like have those honest conversations about safety at your house, right? Mm -hmm. And trust that, you know, as they are moving, you know, forward at like the parents' house, that they're going to take those lessons with them, right? That's one thing my daughter has really like, you know, I've experienced with her is that the lessons that we talk about, she applies them in other places, so if you're, if your safety is a concern, really have that safety conversation at home, right? And, and really talk about it at home and not when we're distracted, but like when we're all really present because they will, they will take those lessons and they'll apply them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're at the pool with them, really show them physically demonstrate those safety things, because it's not even what we say, but it's how we behave, that they're always watching. And they really do apply what we said. Like I, I didn't have that, but my daughter had an incident of bullying. So I gave her a little thing that she should say and to the person and she did and it stopped them in their tracks because it was a interrupted the pattern and you know where did you hear that the kid says to her and she's okay. like you know the smart one in my family 
some kid at school, but it was funny because that was hurting me because I thought, well, I'm not going to know how this goes because I drop her off five days. I don't see them. Yeah. And so, but yeah, she applied it. And so that was my lesson of, you know, they do carry the lessons that we tell them, the things that we tell them, and they can feel the importance. And when you say it from not a place of fear, but of love, right? That love, like the safe, we want to be safety because we love and take good care of ourselves as opposed Mm. to putting all that fear on the floor. Oh my gosh. You have so much gold, honestly, Jen. That is brilliant. And, and this is what I try to tell parents who have these big concerns and not even just, you know, people who are in a divorce situation or separation, all parents, right? Is it you, especially I worked, you know, for five years with teens at a youth center here in Ajax. And, you know, I could tell the ones that had had good, you know, uh, values instilled and the ones that didn't even know what values were. And so I say to parents, you know, you have the opportunity to instill really great values in your kids and talk about them and why they're important. And then when they're not with you, they will. Now, as teens, you know, sometimes they forget those values <laughs> temporarily, um, but they will come back to them. If it's been like you said, you know, if you're, you're talking to them why this is important, right? And if your kids are old enough, as in talking, (laughs) you know, even, right? Um, They, and to teach them to have a voice, because often what happens, I think, is that um, the kids will become protective of both parents, but sometimes in an odd kind of way, they become more protective of the parent that they think is suffering the most. So it's like, I don't want daddy to hurt. So I don't want, I don't want to tell him that I don't like whatever for dinner or, you know, so it's, it's really, really, really important, which I know is something that you have really mastered is to have that voice and to teach our children, just like your bullying situation with your daughter, it, you taught her the words to say, but more importantly, is to stand up for yourself and say what you need to say. So I love that so much. Yeah, really, really great. Yeah, and I think another thing that helped was, you know, as far as on my days, right, because we have certain days that are mine and certain days that are his, like if they wanted to call him, let them call him. Don't make it mean anything. Mm-hmm. You no, know, and and with temper tantrums because like I said we had my goodness like our son was entering JK in the separate house like we moved in July and then that September he was in JK you mm-hmm. know at a school and and navigating two households and all of yeah. that and so there were there was a lot of emotional meltdowns with him mm-hmm. and um, he didn't have the communication skills at the time but really allowing him to melt down and feel it and release it and, and Mm -hmm. to not meet him in the meltdown to be at peace. And that was tough, Leah, but to make this just be his emotional expression and to not make it mean anything about me. And this took a lot of practice, a lot, a lot of practice, 
And, and one of the good, one of the tricks that I learned with my son was, do you need a hug? Because nine times out of 10, if he's emotionally melting down, I can say that. And that's yes. Right. And then you can hug the child because one of the things I learned in divorce, like, you know, their, their emotional barometer is up and down and up and down because there's going through so much and we cannot cope and they're not necessarily able to self-regulate their own emotions, but you right. cannot co-regulate your child if you do not regulate your own emotions first. It's kind of like that whole put the mask on. Oh my gosh. Like if I, you can I, see Leah's face right now to everyone. I, <laughs> if I had a mic in my hand right now, I would be dropping it. I, wow. I, I want you to say it again, the co-regulation and please say that again. Yes. Okay. So, and, and for everyone listening again, I was a teacher for decades. So I did learn about the regulating of emotions there, but I got to use it in divorce because when a child is melting down, they're not able, it's, it, they're really crying out and saying, I'm not able to regulate my emotions. And so as adults, we have to regulate our emotions first and be in that place of calm and love for your child and yourself and that peaceful feeling that you want for your home. And then we can co-regulate the child's emotions, but you cannot co-regulate your child until you regulate your own emotions. And that will feel uncomfortable at first because it's a new skill. But the nice thing is regulating your emotions, as long as there's not a chemical imbalance, that's a skill that you can learn. And, and again, I chose to learn it because it was guided by my value of well-being for yeah. myself and for my kids. So that so, was a big lesson. I, this is so brilliant. I would like you to say, because that's exactly, you know, what I teach and what I help people with is that regulating of your own emotions, but how important obviously it is to model that because everything we do, you can say all kinds of things, but kids are going to pick up on what you model for them. So it's the, the behaviors and, and it, you know, if it matches what you're saying even better. So for people who don't have this down yet, which is a lot of people, of being able to regulate their own emotions first so that they can help their children, right? What would you suggest or what did you do? I know you learned it as a teacher, but you obviously have been, you know, applying it in your own life. So what do you do when the feeling, so, you know, because again, I hear from so many parents that they're, they're, you know, freaked out <laughs> and basically in their head because they don't know what's going to happen and they're worried about their kids and how is this affecting their kids. And they, so they're working themselves up and don't always have the tools to get themselves worked down, right? And regulate it. So what do you suggest? Oh, I really suggest in those moments, like the very first step for me was the pause because mm -hmm. I used to leap into reacting. And then I learned very quickly that when I would react, it would often be in a like really high, high I would match him. I would also be yeah. emotionally melting down when I would react. So it's taking that pause and allowing yourself that breath. Yes. 
and allowing your breath to just a nice, like a, just a pause and a breath. And that to me can bring me back to the present moment very quickly. Whenever I'm in my head, focus on the breath, you know, and there's a lot of breathing that goes on. To yeah. Lots of breathing. There should be. We should there be should breathing be. a lot deeper than we are. We should be, regular right? And, yeah. and so that was something that I started with. And then I quickly realized that I needed to extend my practice to, um, you know, meditation, right? right. And self-hypnosis and journaling has obviously been something. And that, as far as like what you said about your kids watching you, my kids know mommy's going to go write her pages mommy's going to go do her meditation or they call self-hypnosis meditation too. Mm -hmm. But what mm -hmm. that's happened is my kids wanting to do that too. Yeah, like yeah. my son saying, I'm the meditation king. You know, my daughter is terrified of needles and at the flu shot clinic doing deep breaths. I did deep breaths, mommy, to calm myself down. Wow. Right. So those deep breaths, I mean, I, I would have rolled my eyes too when I was listening, if I was listening to this six years ago, but you know what, the deep breaths, the kids watch that. And recently we had a situation with my daughter. She was feeling all of this anxiety at um, an appointment. We were in um, a doctor's office for her brother. And you know what we did, Leah? We breathed, held her hand and I... And I breathed like out loud like that. And she calmed down. Yeah. Right. And we, that's the beautiful thing with the thing that we can do with our children. Yes. Yeah. And, and we can self. do it with ourselves. We can do it with our children. We can do it with, you know, a friend or a partner who's with us. And we see they're yeah. starting. It's like, okay, let's just take a few deep breaths. And yeah. what I love about deep breathing is that you can do it anywhere. Where? And you don't have to do it in an obvious way, you know, the whole, you know, like that's helpful when you're on your own. But if you're just out and about, and listen, I do a lot of deep breathing standing in lines. Yes. <laughs> I'm not the most patient person. Yes. And, and, you know, so I'm like, just here's an, here's how I often phrase it. Here's an opportunity for me to get my breaths in. Because we really should be doing it a lot more than we do. And it is how, you know, that's another whole podcast all by itself is the, all the benefits. But what I love about your methodology, I have something called the stop method that I help people with. And it's basically what you said, but it's literally picturing a stop sign. So when you're feeling yourself, you know, starting to get out of control, really dysregulated, or you're trying to, you have a child who's going through that is to picture a stop sign. And this is something you can teach ch children for sure. Um, so the S in stop is for stop and picture the stop sign and just stop the train of thoughts that is running away with you. And then the T is for take a breath or two. I usually say like take a couple of breaths. And then the O is to observe your thoughts and feelings in that moment because that's what's causing the big feelings that you're having so to observe wow i'm you know i'm really scared right now and i or i'm you know i don't know what to do i do right like just whatever those thoughts are um and then the p is for proceed and you proceed with a better thought and the better thought in that moment could be i need to be here for my child right i'm going to help him to calm and then 
you know, again, what I love is with your methodology is that then take the time to go and do the processing for yourself. Because if you just leave it at that, right, it's going to happen again, and your thoughts are going to run away with you. So to go and, and do the journaling, and we're going to get to that in a minute, because Jen has the most amazing journals that you can use, um, and, and also um, techniques and processes that she can teach you. Um, but um, it's, and to do, you know, get quiet with meditate. In a meditation, people, you know, sometimes really tense up when I say that word. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> meditation is just honestly sitting in silence. Or if that's difficult for you, you do a guided meditation or you do a hypnosis, or it's just, it's really giving yourself that time to go within. That's what it is. And that's why it's so important. So I love all of that. So let's talk about how you have taken your um, particular situations and, and now how you're helping other people. Yeah, so I've created a framework, um, Journal to Reconnect, and it unfolds over, the full framework unfolds over nine stages, and there's 33 connection points, and they're basically different healing journeys for people as they're journaling. And, you know, for the, what we've been talking about, my first step really was patience, tenderness, and grace. And, mm -hmm. you know, there is um, that tendency to want everything right here and now. And so I created um, some 30-day journal to reconnect audio programs because it's private. You can listen to it. You know, it's three minutes of listening five minutes of journaling, you know, eight minutes a day. Um, but yeah, there's guided reflection journals. Um, the Bloom Notes one shares um, moments of joy, laughter, strength, resilience, care, and compassion. And that's a week. My paper journals, what I love about them and what people love about them is it's not daily, it's weekly. Because mm. in the beginning, I was learning to reconnect to presence and feeling and that activated expression weekly not daily. Right. Um, and it's funny because bloom notes, there's more bloom notes of my son than my daughter. And they are like, I don't understand why, but for people listening, the reason is, and I think when people read it, they know I was so afraid that I wouldn't have the same relationship with my child, my son as my daughter, because mm -hmm. he was so little and I wouldn't see him every day. And in those bloom notes, I think he has seven and she only has one by herself, but he tells that story through his moments that I share to see that it's okay. And it always has been okay. Um, and, and so that one, just their journey is to show up for yourself 52 moments and it becomes a beautiful record book of your year and celebrating your strength and resilience. And there's root notes. That's the same thing. It's a year and really rooting within your sense of self and, you know, that patience, tenderness, grace, passion, love, and friendship. Like there's, I, I'm someone with multiple needs and each journal meets a different need. And that's where the audios came in too, because I know there are people that want to establish a daily practice because when I was in that season, I would have benefited from listening to something every day for a month because that would have got me in momentum and really rooting that in my sense of self. And that's what these audios are. So I've, I'm finishing them, producing 12 of them. So there's literally could do one a month for a year. Can't wait. And, 
I too, I too took one year, right? Like 18 months to myself. And so, yeah, yeah, I do think it's important to like, give yourself that time and really reconnect to your sense of self. And that's something that, as Leah said, I help women do with audio programs and and digital art and, um, you know, these guided journals and even paper notebooks, like dot grid and line paper. Cause my, Mm. I was, before I was writing, I was literally buying notebooks that were pretty and they made me feel good. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And where can people find all your, your products, but also how can they reach out if they wanted to reach out to you? Oh yeah. You can connect with me on Instagram, Jen Lafferet, J-E-N-N-L-A-F-O-R-E-T. I'm always on Instagram. Uh, there's the Bloom Notes in Bloom podcast every Tuesday, a new episode at 5 a.m. on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as writecurrent.com, www.r-i-t-e-c-u-r-r-e-n-t.com. And yes, they're available worldwide um, retailing in Amazon Marketplace and also um, for wholesale orders, coaches and associations and have purchased as well amazing yes and and don't worry if you're driving or walking because that's how I listen to podcasts often um I we're going to have all of this posted with the uh show notes so uh no worries we will have that all there oh my gosh I could keep talking to you forever and ever Jen honestly (laughs) but um we do have to stop for today but uh thank I will definitely be having you back on because it's a massive, massive topic and we've only just sort of skimmed the surface here, but I love everything that you're doing. You are helping so, so, so many people, women especially, and uh, just keep rocking it, girl, because yeah, you've got it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being with me and being my first (laughs) and we will talk again. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow me so you don't miss a single episode. If you want to go deeper in your healing, you can book a free discovery session with me and learn more about my unique strategy to unlock the real you through my Unearth, Uncover and Unleash three-part system to discover and heal your past and present trauma and become empowered to live your best life. Go to my website, lifelessons.ca, or contact me directly at leah at lifelessons.ca to book your session. You can also find me on social media. My links are all on my podcast page. And while you're there, I would love it if you would leave a review, good or bad. I want to know how I can make this podcast just what you need it to be. And if you love it, I definitely want to hear that. You can also leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Until next time, grab some joy wherever you can. Bye for now.